0: Hi everyone, happy new year, happy holidays, and welcome to the January 1st, 2021 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. But because of the holiday this week, we're going to look back at one of the biggest stories of the year in Canadian automotive. We'll hear from Unifor President Jerry Diaz, who landed billions in Detroit 3 auto investment during the 2020 auto talks with Ford, GM, and FCA. So sit back and enjoy this encore presentation of the November 11th Daily Drive podcast with Automotive News publisher Jason Stein, who speaks with Jerry Diaz about saving Canadian auto manufacturing on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations.
1: Well, there have to be few people in North America happier than Jerry Diaz today. I know, Jerry, it's been a long struggle. Uh, There are some who doubted you, but you take doubters head on. How are you feeling today?
2: Now I'm feeling fabulous. I've got more than my fair share of critics, and and that's fine. People are entitled to their opinions. So this isn't uh, an I told you so moment, but I'm feeling pretty damn good today. It was uh, the negotiations that were tough. They always are difficult with the Detroit Three, as they should be. But it was really about transforming the industry. It was about Canada getting their fair share. It was about um, Canada not being left behind um, when it comes to global investments. So the fact that we were able to, in with uh, Ford and Chrysler, to negotiate battery electric vehicles, it really is about you know understanding where the industry is heading and, and being a part of it. So am I feeling good today? The answer is absolutely yes, Jason.
1: How do you negotiate during a pandemic?
2: Very, very carefully with masks, social distancing. Um, so it, it, it changed things for sure. Like we would have, instead of having our morning meetings with, uh, with our entire union caucus where you'd have 50, 60 people in a room, um, you know, everything was done virtually. Or one thing that's for sure, for a person who struggles with technology, I, I've become a master at Zoom, um, FaceTime, um, Skype, everything else under the sun so you just find a way to get things done i mean you don't have any real you don't have any choice it's about understanding the challenges in front of you and figuring out how you're going to deal with the impediments and frankly just concentrating on the prize at the end of the day so that's what we did and same with the same with the employers so like in fairness to it to everyone we came in um trying to find solutions uh, right from the beginning and, and that's exactly what we did there was The set of negotiations, I think the pandemic may very well have played a role, you know, really lacked a lot of the theatrics, uh, that, that come with Detroit tree negotiations. Um, I think everybody understands the pandemic is, 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 is a huge impediment. It's a huge problem. I mean, it's serious. So, you know, so bargaining, I will argue really moved forward in a very, you know, uh, straightforward, respectful
1: way. Could it change the nature of bargaining going forward in your mind? There's so many things that have changed during this pandemic that are now permanent. Do you think that when you get into future conversations that maybe some of the flavor of what you went through during this will uh, cross over into the next round of talks?
2: Well, I'm not sure. I think everybody would much prefer to do things face-to-face Um you know you you really do want to look at look at people you want to look in their eyes um well you when you're doing this we're talking multi-billion dollar deals here so doing it virtually is is not anybody's first choice but what it, what we have learned is that there is better ways of communication we can stay and you know we can we can talk we can get things done differently um what's also done is it's allowed us to look at things differently, even from the ratification process, uh, how we communicate with our members, um, you know, how we answer their questions, uh, how we, so will it change how we do things? Yes, as it relates to communicating uh, more thoroughly and broadly, but will it change that face-to-face interaction of collective bargaining? I don't think so.
1: How long has the Oshawa deal been in the works?
2: Um, I would say since December of last year, I reached out to, to GM, uh, sat down. We had a, you know, had a, uh, had dinner and just had a good conversation about the fact that we've got this incredible facilities sitting in Oshawa. So just don't slam the door. <clears throat> so it was really, uh, you know, it was really about an olive branch. Uh, it was about putting the the bitter fight that we had behind this and uh just leaving the door open and uh to gm's credit Look, they never slammed the door completely. Um, you know, they announced the closure in November of 2018, but in May of 2019, we we signed the peace accord, which basically, you know, was transforming the plant to an aftermarket facilities, but also it was about, you know, maintaining the integrity of the plant, the ability to build uh, vehicles for the future. So once we, once we came to the agreement in May of 2019, I think... You know, mindset all you know changed i think people kind of settled down and so there i i, I definitely you know felt a different mood uh, and so it was really about trying to trying to you know just see if there's some sort of a solution the pandemic as odd as it sounds jason uh, played a positive role insofar as that we shut down the assembly plants globally everybody was down uh, for weeks on end and what it did is it really created a a real need um, in dealerships. I mean, right now, you know, the GM, Ford, Chrysler, you know, they're all the same. Uh, the dealership's volumes are probably sitting at about 40 or 50 percent of where they would like them to be today. Uh, what nobody expected coming out of the pandemic is that, look, people aren't hopping on Ubers anymore. They're not taking Lyft. They're not hopping in buses. They're not going on trains. They're not hopping on, you know, getting on planes. People are buying cars because they want to be by themselves. Um, it's just the safest mode of transportation. So I don't think anybody expected this. So the incredible decline that we were predicting in 2019 for the 2020 market, um, frankly, happened. Of course, at the beginning, but now sales are going through the roof. So having Oshawa there, ready uh, to, to to get you know to have it ready to start building trucks, um, was an important development for General Motors, and of course, an important development for
1: us. You've brought five billion dollars, as you've told me into this market, into the Canadian market, during a pandemic. But most importantly, you've repositioned the industry in Canada. I've got to imagine that that was way more significant than even just the commitment in the short term.
2: Well, look, we're in the game, which is the key, because if you would, like, I look at the last 10 years, how the industry Was, you know, manufacturing peak level sales were at the, you know, at the top. The profitability was incredible, and yet we were losing market share here in Canada. We were, we had less jobs, we had less investment. So as the industry was going through the ceiling, we were dropping through the floor. So this, I will argue, was a real fundamental shift in that. Um, So the investments are huge, they're real. Uh, The transforming of the industry here in Canada is significant. So, uh, look, uh, I'm I'm feeling good about the fact that, you know, I'll be leaving uh, this job in a couple of years. I won't be participating in the next set of Detroit's remarketing, except from afar and offering whatever advice people ask from me. But I'm feeling that at least we will leave, leaving the industry in a better place uh, today than it was, you know, uh, 10 years ago.
1: A couple of specifics. Oshawa and Windsor investments are contingent on government support, but there's been no announcement yet. Maybe update us on the status of the talks between Unifor, the automakers, and the government's
2: look i i i speak to everybody i don't leave anything to chance things are fine uh the federal and provincial governments uh have already indicated that they're going to participate in the chrysler investment uh, they've already indicated that they're going to participate in the in the gm investment the stars are absolutely aligned i think one of the things that is helpful is that our government also has come a long way um they're, they they see the auto industry it's a 100 billion dollar a year industry in canada it's not jump change it's the largest uh um, manufacturing industry in the country. So they understand that we're at, a, we're at a critical point in our history. And they better get on the, you know, the, you better get with the program or lose it altogether. And they have no interest in losing it. So I think the government's messaging, the, the direct comments from the governments, uh, right from the prime minister uh, to the premier of the province of Ontario, everybody's saying the right things and they mean it. And that's makes my job and simplifies my
1: life, let me tell you. You've had an evolving relationship with the Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford. You went from swearing at him on live national TV not too long ago to having now a strong working relationship with him and others within the government. What do you attribute that to?
2: Well, I think that, you know, when when Doug was first elected, he went from a councillor to the Premier. That was a quantum leap. He also, you know, in my opinion, didn't... Uh, didn't fight as hard as he could uh when gm made the announcement to, to close the Oshawa complex but you know this is two years later and things change so i think he's growing into the job um, over time and i don't think he's making the same rookie mistake so look uh, are we gonna agree to disagree at times of course we are but you know I do that with my family and friends. So, look for me. It's about getting results. It's about having a shared vision um, in the areas that we can find commonality. So, look, I don't, I don't dislike him. As a matter of fact, he's an interesting character. So, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how things evolve. But uh, 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 his his view of the industry today, I will argue, and the role of government is much different than
1: his perception two years ago. So, I'll leave it at that. Jerry, you've spoken a lot at some of the recent press conferences about how much Oshawa means to you personally with your family being from there. And you saw firsthand the pain that the end of assembly brought to so many workers. Can you give us a little bit more of of a sense of just what it means to you outside of the hat that you wear as the head of Unifor?
2: Well, first of all, uh, let me deal with my hat. Uh, the, the announcement and the, and the, uh, partial closure happened under my watch as president of Unipor. So I take that very seriously. I, I, think about the impact not only with our members in GM, but our members in the supply, uh, you know, the supply chain, but also the non-union members that were impacted. So I took it as a, as a personal defeat, no question about it. But, but from a personal point of view, my, my father lives there. He's 90 years old. My mother is, is buried at the Resurrection Cemetery off Taunton Road. Um, two of my three sisters live in Ashford, nieces and nephews, and so I've got a lot of family there. So, you know, I, I go and I spend a lot of time with them, and I, you know, I take my father shopping. We'll go to restaurants. Well, and so people will recognize me, and you know, I and you know, people, you know, will have various opinions. But the bottom line is, I can't get away from the fact that the, the plant you know, stop manufacturing vehicles under my watch. But hopefully people will look at things a little differently today and we'll see that, uh, that we found the solution.
1: You mentioned it earlier, but this is the last round of bargaining with all three automakers before your term is up outside of GM on CAMI. Love to know what you're most proudest of when you look back on your automotive file. And maybe what was your biggest regret?
2: Well, the biggest, you know, look, in the seven years as president, uh, my, my proudest moment was, you know, announcing the tentative agreement with General Motors that'll reopen Oshawa. That, that for, for, for our union and for the community was huge. So there's no question that will be my proudest moment. And, you know, probably some of my most difficult times would be um, you know, dealing with the supply base, uh, you know, during closures and, and, you know, the families who are impacted. And though we know that a lot of the supply base will come back, uh, with the GM announcement, will it be all the same? Will it be the same suppliers? Will the same workers that lost their jobs that are struggling today get their jobs back based on the company's hiring practices? So obviously we'll be speaking to the employers about that. So, you know, the, the, the proudest moments and the most difficult times are all tied into people and the challenges that they've been through so the celebrations and of course the you know the bad times so for me it's all about people always has been always
1: will be it's been a heck of a term you've left your mark on this business and judging by the investments that will take place that's going to be never ending jerry
2: i'm feeling pretty good today jason let's just let's just make sure that we you know, we just uh, i am looking forward to following through the commitments we made and, uh, and the commitments that the employers made. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, just sitting back and watching the industry bloom here in Canada and, and sitting back and, and just looking at the eyes of young people that are going to be employed in the auto industry, knowing that they're going to live a good middle-class lifestyle. And I feel pretty
1: good about that today. You're an Automotive News All-Star. You've been a friend of this program. Thank you so much again, Jerry.
2: Keep well, Jason. Thank you for your time. Take
0: care. Once again, you are listening to an encore presentation of the November 11th, 2020 Daily Drive podcast with automotive news publisher Jason Stein, who spoke with Jerry Diaz about saving Canadian auto manufacturing back in 2020. Just a reminder, all new episodes of Automotive News Canada Conversations begin again on January 8th. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.